At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As a reminder, this is part three in a three-part series on legendary physicists and their dumbest mistakes. To start today's episode, let's play a little game. I'll name a famous scientist, and you say the first theory or idea that comes to mind. Start with Isaac Newton. You're probably thinking... gravity, right? Next up, Marie Curie. She brings to mind... radioactivity. What about Charles Darwin? Probably... evolution. Now for a hard one. Stephen Hawking. To be sure, you can probably call to mind certain things about him as a person. The wheelchair, that book he wrote, A Brief History of Time, that unforgettable voice. The expansion of the universe suggested the possibility that the universe had a beginning at some time in the past. The point at which the universe may have started out became known as the Big Bang. But what exactly did Hawking do scientifically? Not many people know. So today's episode is about Hawking's most famous discovery, which was intimately tied up with a horrible blunder. But as Einstein showed us last week, sometimes a ghastly blunder is the surest way forward. From the Science History Institute, this is Sam Keen and the Disappearing Spoon, a topsy-turvy, sciencey history podcast, where footnotes become the real story. Hawking's big discovery involved black holes. Black holes arise when ungodly amounts of matter get crushed together into a small space, Because of all that concentrated matter, black holes have huge gravitational fields, so huge that nothing can escape their clutches. Not even light, the fastest thing in the universe. In fact, that's why black holes are black. Light goes in, but nothing ever comes out. Scientists first predicted black holes on paper in the early 1900s. 
But even until the 1960s, many physicists did not believe that black holes existed. Indeed, many regarded them with something like horror. There was just something monstrous about them, almost unholy. But black holes appealed to Stephen Hawking, who had something of an impish side. And in the early 1970s, Hawking made an odd discovery about them. All black holes have something called an event horizon. It's an invisible but real boundary around them, at a certain distance away. If you're on the far side of the boundary, you can theoretically escape a black hole if you run fast enough. You won't get sucked in. But as soon as you cross that boundary, even with your pinky toe, you're doomed. The black hole will suck you in. It sounds dramatic, and it is. The event horizon is the horizon of disaster. Anything on one side is safe, anything on the other side is doomed. Effectively, then, the event horizon measures the size of a black hole. Now, let's imagine someone falling into a black hole. They would undergo what's sometimes called spaghettiification. That is, the forces of the black hole would exert such huge strains on their body, and exert those strains so quickly that they'd be pulled into a long, thin piece of spaghetti before being obliterated. Not a great way to go. Something else would happen as well, something interesting. Again, black holes suck things in because they have so much mass, and their sucking power is a direct function of the mass. A small black hole with relatively little mass would have less sucking power than a big black hole with lots of mass. Moreover, the small black hole would also have a smaller event horizon. That is, you could tiptoe closer to a small black hole without getting sucked in than you could to a big black hole. Overall, then, the sucking power and the event horizon both depend on the mass. So think what would happen if someone or something fell into a black hole. That person or thing has mass. So the overall mass of the black hole would now rise. And when the mass rises, so does the sucking power and the event horizon. As I mentioned, the event horizon effectively measures the size of black holes. So the net result is that when something falls into a black hole, the black hole gets bigger. It's like the blob. It eats and it grows. Now, people knew these things before Stephen Hawking. But Hawking spotted something and made an unusual connection here. By definition, nothing can escape a black hole. Once something goes in, it's stuck. So black holes and their event horizons only grow bigger over time. They never grow smaller. That pinged something in Hawking's memory, because there's another quantity in physics that shows that same property. It's called entropy. Entropy comes from the field of thermodynamics, the study of heat. Entropy is essentially a measure of disorder, of chaos. And according to the laws of thermodynamics, entropy never, ever goes down. Disorder always increases. It's why old buildings and things always spontaneously decay, but never spontaneously heal themselves. Entropy disorder always increases. For a long time, scientists thought entropy was unique in this. Other physical quantities could go up or down in value. Entropy alone went one direction. But Hawking proposed that the size of black holes also belongs on this elite list. 
As far as anyone knew, those were the only two quantities in the universe that never decreased. Now, Hawking did not think too much about this connection. He was just being clever and pointing it out. He certainly didn't think there was some sort of deep link between entropy and black holes. In fact, he resisted the very idea. For one thing, if black holes have entropy, that implies that they have energy, have heat. That also implies that they have a temperature, which is a little weird. How would you measure the temperature of a black hole? Stick a thermometer in there? It seems kind of silly. Moreover, if black holes had heat, they would also have to radiate energy into cold outer space. This radiated energy would be in the form of light rays. But that's a contradiction. Remember, nothing can escape a black hole, not even light. Therefore, Hawking said, black holes do not radiate heat. In a deeper sense, Hawking was saying that the laws of thermodynamics simply do not apply to black holes. They were such monstrous singularities that the very laws of physics broke down in their presence. Overall, then, the fact that entropy and black hole size were the only two known quantities that always increased was just a coincidence. Nothing more. Or so Hawking thought. But one person was not convinced. Hawking's foil here was an unlikely one. Whereas Hawking had been a boy genius growing up in England and attended posh Cambridge and Oxford, Jacob Beckenstein was the son of poor Jewish refugees from Mexico. His dad was a carpenter. But Jacob had some smarts. He was fascinated by Sputnik, and he used to build homemade rockets from chemicals that he bought in medical supply stores. When his family moved to New York in the 1960s, he pursued a Ph.D. in physics. His mentor was named John Wheeler, a true oddball. Wheeler was a staunch U.S. patriot during the Cold War, but he also had communist friends. He was a stern, straight-ticket conservative, but he adored the civil rights movement. When Wheeler got bored in meetings, which happened pretty often, he would randomly pop paper bags to liven things up, which did not exactly endear him to the speakers. Still, Wheeler was a good physicist. He actually coined the term black hole, and he saw something in Beckenstein. Perhaps they bonded over their love of rocketry and explosives. Wheeler actually lost part of a finger as a child to a wayward firecracker. At any rate, one day in 1971, Beckenstein picked up a paper by that hotshot Stephen Hawking. This was the paper where Hawking pointed out his amusing little idea that both entropy and the size of black holes always increase. He also suggested that black holes violate the laws of thermodynamics since they cannot possibly radiate heat or have a temperature. But that conclusion did not sit right with Beckenstein. Saying that something violated the laws of thermodynamics seemed crazy to him. Thermodynamics is a wildly successful theory, utterly universal. How could black holes skirt this fundamental law of nature? So Beckenstein sat down to do some calculations. And sure enough, with a little work, he found something interesting. It went like this. If you toss something into a black hole, you increase its mass. But according to Einstein and E equals mc squared, mass and energy are interrelated. If you increase mass, you increase energy. And if you increase energy, you increase the entropy disorder. So by the transitive property, Increasing a black hole's mass increases its entropy. 
But as we just learned, increasing the mass also increases the size of a black hole's event horizon. So ultimately, both entropy and the black hole's size increase in lockstep. You can use one to measure the other. This little chain of reasoning pleased Beckenstein. Maybe there was a connection between entropy and black holes after all. Still, there was one big glaring objection here. If black holes have entropy, they have to radiate heat in the form of light rays. But how could that be if nothing can escape them? It was a paradox, and frankly, Beckenstein didn't know how to resolve this paradox. So he talked to his mentor, Wheeler, about it. Wheeler didn't know how to resolve the paradox either, but he encouraged Beckenstein to publish anyway. Your idea is so crazy, he said, that it just might be right. So Beckenstein did publish it, having no idea what an uproar it would cause. Have you ever wanted to appreciate books or movies or music from another culture? Do you have a big trip coming up and want to get beyond the tourist spots and immerse yourself in local culture? No matter what the reason, Rosetta Stone is the language program for you. Rosetta Stone has been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Millions have used it. Rosetta Stone knows what works for getting started, remembering what you've learned, and motivating you to stay on track. Plus, the built-in true accent feature gives you live feedback to improve your pronunciation. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. So don't put off learning that language. Start today. For a limited time, Disappearing Spoon listeners get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem 50% off at rosettastone.com today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When Beckenstein's paper came out in 1972, most people just laughed. Hadn't he read Hawking's fatal objections to linking entropy with black holes? Jeez. As Beckenstein later recalled, those were lonely years. Hawking, meanwhile, was furious. He felt that Beckenstein had taken his beautiful work and twisted it into something ugly. How dare he? So Hawking set out to prove this punk Beckenstein wrong and put him in his place. Except things did not quite work out that way. Hawking started fiddling with his calculations, turning them this way and that trying to see where Beckenstein went astray. But the deeper he got, the more evidence started piling up in Beckenstein's favor. Everything Hawking did suggested that black holes not only had entropy, but that they radiated heat. At this point, Hawking got a little panicky. He decided he had to keep this work absolutely top secret. He was terrified that word would leak out and that Beckenstein would use it as evidence against him. Hawking was certain there was a flaw somewhere, something subtle that he'd overlooked. He just had to find out what. 
it grew into an obsession. But after two years of exhausting labor, Hawking eventually had to swallow hard and admit, ugh, that he had blundered. Beckenstein was right. Black holes seemed to radiate heat. But what about that paradox? Hawking thought long and hard about it. And I know this is going to sound weird. This was a problem involving thermodynamics and general relativity. But Hawking developed a hunch, just a hunch, that maybe the way to resolve the paradox lay in a third branch of physics, quantum mechanics. Now, the explanation that follows is an analogy. It's not reality. So keep that in mind. But Hawking's hunch involved none other than vacuum energy, the energy of empty space that we talked about last episode. Remember, because of vacuum energy, ghost particles blip into and out of existence all the time. These include particles of light, so-called photons. These magically appearing photons always arise in pairs. You always get two of them. And they have a funny property. They cancel each other out. That is, if photon A collides with photon B, they annihilate each other. Afterward, it's like they never existed. And 99.9999 whatever percent of the time, that's exactly what happens. Two photons blip into existence, get a brief taste of life, then collide and disappear. But something different happens near black holes. Let's say that two photons happen to blip into existence right on the edge of the event horizon. And let's say photon A goes left. Because of that, it skirts the event horizon. But unlucky particle B goes right and blunders past the event horizon. Now it's stuck. It's sucked into the black hole. And because it's lost for good, particle A never gets canceled out. It escapes and zips away into the wider universe. Now imagine this happening lots and lots and lots, billions upon billions of times, all right on the edge of a black hole. It would look like a shower of light radiating from the black hole. And from a distance, you could measure this light's energy and convert that into a temperature. It would look like the black hole was radiating heat. So this resolved the paradox. Black holes do not radiate heat from inside the event horizon because nothing can escape from inside. But black holes can create the conditions for heat to escape right outside them. It's a subtle difference, but it's enough to salvage things. Now, Hawking himself has used this analogy of particles escaping the edge of event horizons to explain his work. But again, it is an analogy. The reality is more complicated. But the general picture holds. Black holes do have entropy and a temperature, and they create the conditions to radiate heat in the form of photons. It turns out that black holes aren't so black after all. These photons are now known as Hawking radiation. It's the discovery he's most famous for, and he never could have made it without making his original blunder and being corrected by Jacob Beckenstein. This wasn't the only time Stephen Hawking was wrong. In fact, he had something of a history of making bold statements about scientific controversies and getting them backwards. I actually put together not one, but two bonus episodes about these blunders at patreon.com slash disappearingspoon. The first bonus involves some wagers that Hawking made and lost. 
including one involving a dirty magazine and a very angry wife. The second bonus covers a story where Hawking was on stage giving a talk in Russia while another scientist translated for him. Except the other scientist had recently discovered something that disproved everything Hawking was saying, and the other scientist had to sit and translate it anyway, knowing Hawking's ideas were doomed. Talk about awkward. But it's a great story, so check it out. That's patreon.com slash disappearing spoon. But to wrap up the story of Hawking radiation, honestly, this discovery might not seem as grand as the big ideas mentioned at the outset of the episode. Does it really compare to the majesty of Newton or Einstein or Marie Curie? Maybe not now. But in the future, we might have a different perspective. It's not very well known, but quantum mechanics and Einstein's theory of relativity actually don't play very well together. For instance, remember last episode, when they made opposing predictions that differed by 121 orders of magnitude? Not good. And that's far from the only time they contradict each other. But Hawking's work on black holes links quantum mechanics and relativity together in a neat little package. That's a significant accomplishment. And it could point the way to the ultimate goal of physics. A so-called grand unified theory of everything that encompasses both quantum mechanics and relativity and tucks them into something larger. So if we played that word association game again, and I said Stephen Hawking, go ahead and think about the book he wrote and all the obstacles he overcame in his life. That's pretty darn amazing. But think about Hawking radiation, too, and especially about how peering into the abyss of a black hole just might be the future of physics. This is the Disappearing Spoon Podcast, brought to you by the Science History Institute. Find out more about their library, museum, and multimedia magazine at sciencehistory.org. Make sure you check out the Science History Institute's other awesome podcast, Distillations. You can find their in-depth narrative stories and interviews about everything from space junk to sex, drugs, and migraines anywhere you get your podcast and on their website distillations.org You can find more incredible stories from my books at samkeen.com You can also book me as a speaker at your school or event. If you like this podcast, please support it at patreon.com slash disappearing spoon. It costs as little as seven cents per day. You can also get bonus episodes and signed books. Please spread the word to others as well and subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or other places. This episode was written by me, Sam Keen. It was mixed by Jonathan Pfeffer and produced by Mariel Carr and Rigoberto Hernandez. Thanks for listening. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 